Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 168. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer technology. Thanks for listening, thanks for downloading, and thank you for discovering us if this is your first time. My name is Stephen Fennec, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, is it better to study from paper or from a screen? A great segment for any HSC students listening. Australians also are putting themselves at risk from visual hacking. And Microsoft announces the opening date for its new Sydney store. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the new iPhones, the iPhone 6S, the iPhone 6S Plus, and the new Google Nexus smartphones, as well as the new features of OS XL Capitan for the Mac, which is available now. And we'll finish it all off with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Plenty to talk about, so let's jump straight in. Well, the HSC kicks off uh, next week in uh, in New South Wales. It's the higher school certificate as well as, I'm sure, around the country. There will be other leaving exams, high school exams for Year 12 students. And they are busily studying away. They're studying hard for all their exams. And we've got a little story that may be of interest. Now, this is the result of some research uh, conducted by Canon. Uh, as well as the Griffith University. Now, Canon have an interest here because not only do they make great cameras, but they also make pretty good printers as well. And this story is all about the study methods and which is more effective. Is it better to study from a screen, that is your computer or your tablet or your phone, or is it better to study from printed notes? This was a question that was posed by Canon and the Griffith University and an organization called the Art of Smart Education. They spoke to more than 500 students to just get some idea on their study methods, their approach to retaining information. That, that's the key here. Is It's one thing to read, and the other thing, though, is to absorb and learn and retain and recall when you're in the exam. You've got to remember that you've got to remember or retain all this information, recall it, write it out, remember certain facts. Uh, and that's the whole key to studying, isn't it? The whole key of studying is to remember stuff. Now, the results of this, of this survey are quite interesting. Now, nearly all students, that's 93%, say, said they experience problems where, while they're studying online. And more than half, that's 52%, said that the temptation to check social media 
while they were studying off a screen or online, made it hard for them to focus. So as a result, the preferred method here, would you believe, in this 21st century is using printed notes. Two-fifths of the student, nearly two-fifths, 39% said they became distracted while studying online, with 23% saying they struggled to recall what they learned online. That is, unless it was printed. So 9 out of 10 students here, nearly 9 out of 10, 86% of students said printed notes helped them study even better and helped them recall information even better. We're talking about study notes, articles, pictures, anything printed gave the student a better chance of retaining that information. Very interesting, don't you think? Now, back when I was studying for school, and I'm talking a very long time ago, uh, we had no choice but to study off printed notes. What, what, I, what I chose to do, and what my teachers drummed into me at the time, was that you can't study without a pen in your hand or a pencil in your hand, for, the, for that matter. So what they meant by that is that you need to be writing. You need to be taking notes so that this the whole process then can sink in a little bit better. So that does lend itself to having printed notes. You can highlight things and write down other notes. Very hard to do that on a screen uh, unless you've got a tablet with a, when, if you're writing on the screen, but just not the same. As much as I love technology and uh, and the amazement that we have for all the new devices that are released, when it's uh, when it's time to study, it looks like old school methods are the way to go. If you are studying for the HSC, or you may be the parent of a student studying for the HSC, it is a stressful time. So I would recommend you you tell your son or daughter or whoever you may know studying for the HSC, to check out our story and maybe this could be the approach for them to get an even better result in their exams. You can read that complete story at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. Now, we've all heard of hacking. Hacking is when somebody... Yeah, is online. They get into your stuff. They can find out information about you, and potentially use it against you. That's the type of hacking we already know, and that we already protect ourselves from. Hence, the reason why we've got internet security software. And I'm hoping the that whoever is listening to what I just said right at that moment has internet security software. If you haven't. Uh, you really need to do something about that because the dangers of being online without protection uh, are quite large. So internet security software is what you need, and that'll get you, that'll protect you from things like hacking. But we're talking today about a new type of hacking, and this is something that has been going on, and we've kind of blind to this problem. The problem is visual hacking. Now, what is visual hacking, I hear you ask? Well, it's where people can see stuff on your screen, whether you're on a bus, whether you're on a train, whether you're sitting in a cafe, whether you're sitting on a plane. There's been plenty of occasions where, this is me speaking from my experiences, I have read plenty of stuff on other people's screens that is probably pretty sensitive, and the person who's who has their screen, their tablet, their laptop, whatever the case may be, 
uh, are unaware that there uh, there is the potential for other people to see what's on their screen. Now, you think about this. If, if you happen to be looking at your bank statement, for example, or paying for something online or reading sensitive material, it is, it is very, very possible, quite likely, that you may be seen, especially if you're in public, you, the, the, that information on your screen uh, is out there. It's, it's there to see. So those little glances over the shoulder on the train, you're in the, on a plane, uh, they could actually, that, that could result in someone else gaining some pretty sensitive information. Now, if you work for a company or you might even work for the government, there, there's, certain, there's certain precautions we need to take to protect this material. Now, what do you do, though, in this situation? Do you just stop working in public? Do you not open a document on a plane? Do you just keep it all to yourself? Well, not necessarily. There are ways around it. In fact, there's a company called 3M, and they did a study. Now, uh, of course, this study will benefit a, a product that they're trying to sell, of course, but they've gone to the trouble of doing this study to illustrate the need for their product. Uh, and what, what the product we're talking about are privacy screens. Now, these are they're like screen protectors. They go on your device. They make them in all kinds of sizes, smartphones, tablet size, laptop, even desktop size, desktop monitor, up to 30-inch monitors they can fit with these privacy screens. Now, how do they work? Well, unless you are sitting dead center in front of your device, no one else can see your screen. So if you're slightly off center, if someone may be looking uh, from their position and maybe they're sitting next to you on a plane or on public transport or in a cafe, they try to have a sideways glance at your device, they will see nothing. They will see black. That is why the privacy screens or uh, the privacy filters, as 3M calls them, that's why they are there, to protect that type of information. Now, uh, th- this is... Something that we literally have, have turned a blind eye, we're not even aware. Like, we're not, not many of us are aware that there may be someone looking over your shoulder and seeing this sensitive information. So, something that before today, I don't think many of you would have heard of visual hacking. Well, now you do. This visual privacy, uh, it could provide, it is a potential security risk. So uh, best to take those precautions if you are looking at material that you don't want your neighbours to see on, on public transport or on a plane or anywhere else, in a cafe, wherever, wherever you happen to be, then a privacy filter is the answer. If you want to hear more about that and even look at the study that was conducted by 3M, you can check it out, techguide.com.au. Now, there's a hustling and bustling building site on in the Pitt Street Mall at the moment in Sydney, in the Westfield Centre in Sydney, the Pitt Street Mall, very, very popular shopping area uh, in the Sydney CBD. Well, this store is not just any old store. This is the new Sydney Microsoft store. Uh, and what's significant about this, apart from its position, it's in a quite a, quite a uh, big position there, uh, a very, very popular part of the city. This store, the Microsoft store, is actually the very first flagship Microsoft store that the company has built outside of North America, which is very impressive when you – that, that, that that's gives uh, Sydney – quite a big rap there where uh, Microsoft has uh, considered their customers here to be so important that they are building 
a store just for them. And of course, they're building the store to build up their number of customers and not just any old store. This is a two-level store that's going to have more than 500 square meters of floor space. The staff in the store will be fluent in more than 21 languages so that anyone who comes to this store, uh, they will be uh, they'll be able to be assisted by their staff, which are which are from more than eleven countries around the world. So that communication is obviously uh, at the forefront of this new experience. Speaking of this experience, one part of that new experience is an area called the answer desk. Now, this is very much like the Genius Bar in Apple stores. The answer desk in the Microsoft store is an area where Customers can get their problems uh, looked at. Can there, there can be some troubleshooting if they've got any technical issues, any kind of setup issues. The answer desk is where you'll find, you guessed it, the answer. So uh, that is an important part of the store, as well as the community theater. Now, one thing Apple does very well here is to show customers how relevant their products are, their hardware, their software, in the workplace, in schools, in homes. And that's exactly why what the Microsoft Store, the new Microsoft Store, will offer with its community theater. So here you can come and learn about all the latest Microsoft products, whether it's hardware or a tablet or software, uh, maybe Office suite of, uh, of uh, applications. You can uh, learn how you can use them in uh, at work, at home, and just become even better at that product. And of course, it's a place where you can get your hands, literally get your hands on the very latest products. That's the whole idea of the store. It's more an interactive experience where customers can literally play, touch, feel these new products. That is the whole idea. Now, they've announced the grand opening date. It is going to be, mark this in your calendars, ladies and gentlemen, it'll be a Thursday at noon on November 12th. Uh, they're going to make a bit of a song and dance about this. They're going to be uh, having uh, opening specials. They're even going to uh, make a $5 million donation of software and technology uh, as part of the company's aim to help people achieve more in their lives through technology. So Microsoft really working hard there. November 12 in Sydney. It's it's a Thursday at noon. Now, this will follow. Uh, this follows uh, a, a couple of weeks earlier in New York. They're also going to open a flagship store on Fifth Avenue at 53rd Street. That it's going to be opening up on October 26th. And I actually walked past this store on Fifth Avenue. It's in a very prominent position. Fifth Avenue being the very prestigious shopping district of of New York. And this Microsoft store is going to be right there amongst it. If you want to see more about that uh, about the Microsoft store and that opening date, you can check it out. Techguide.com.au Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. And Netgear have just released the new Nighthawk X4S AC2600 Wi-Fi VDSL ADSL modem router. And it's perfect for connected Aussie homes. Netgear's latest addition to the Nighthawk family is a high-performance piece of kit. It's specifically built for streaming gaming, and connected homes with lots of devices. Does that sound like your place? The Nighthawk X4S, or D7800 as it's also called, 
will deliver AC Wi-Fi speeds of up to 2,600 megabits per second and supports both ADSL and VDSL connection. VDSL connections are being is what they're using for the NBN, so you can really future-proof your connection with this product. It's the first modem router on the market to support the latest Wave 2 Wi-Fi technology with quad stream on both bands and multi-user MIMO capability. That's multiple in, multiple out streams. This means maximizing connection speeds for faster streaming, gaming, and less buffering. So if your household has loved streaming Netflix, loves online gaming, and has multiple devices, check out the new Nighthawk X4S Wi-Fi modem router from Netgear. Search D7800 at netgear.com.au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennig. Okay, we're going to kick off our review. Now, I did mention the fact that the iPhones were out last week. Well, I have in the this week that's gone by, I had a chance to actually use the iPhone 6S and iPhone 6S Plus. And I've gathered all my thoughts about it. I've done a bit of a review. You can read the whole thing at Tech Guide. But I just want to take you through a few things right now. Well, first up, let's look at the design. Well, outwardly, these look very, very similar. In fact, almost identical to the previous model. Same look, same feel. Only thing you'll find is that it's slightly heavier and slightly thicker. By slightly thicker, I mean 0.2 of a millimeter. That is so, That increase is so small that even last year's cases for the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus will still fit on the 6S and 6S Plus. Now, in terms of weight, it is slightly heavier. I think it's about 14 grams heavier. Reason being is that there is a new display on board, the 3D touch display, uh, among some other technology, which we'll talk about in a moment. It's also made of a new material. It's this 7000 series aluminium, the strongest material Apple has ever used on an iPhone. And in fact, it's the same type of metal that's used in the aerospace industry. So good enough to build a plane out of, good enough to build a phone out of, I say. The chassis has also been strengthened. Now, you do remember a couple of people on, on YouTube last year, they, they took to the iPhone 6 Plus and deliberately bent it in a YouTube video. Now, this video, of course, went viral. The reason they did that video is because some users claimed that the iPhone 6 Plus, when stored in their back pocket or their side pocket, would bend slightly. Now, there were some cases where it did bend, I think, out of 12 million phones sold. I think there was less than half a dozen that had a slight kink in the uh, in the chassis. So as a result, I think Apple, they, they wanted to make sure that this was an even stronger device. So they've strengthened it. And these same opportunists on YouTube, they tried the bend test once again with the iPhone 6S Plus. Makes sense using the larger device. Uh, so what they did, they ran the video and it took two people to try and bend it. They hardly could bend the device. Two people trying to do it. Uh, and they couldn't. So that just really uh, attests to the strength 
of uh, of the new iPhone. Was, there's also new uh, Gorilla Glass on the front. So the Retina display, the glass, is not only the strongest glass ever used on an iPhone, it's the strongest glass ever used on any smartphone. So hopefully uh, that'll live up to those claims. If you drop your phone, how many people have picked it up and the screen is shattered? Hopefully this will not do that. Okay, let's look at the new features, the first being 3D Touch. This is a, a, a really a standout feature for the new iPhones. This gives users a new way to interact with the device. Uh, what, what, what 3D Touch allows is various pressures to be applied to the screen, and the screen will respond in different ways. So you've still got your usual taps and swipes and pinches to zoom and all that sort of stuff. Uh, still tapping on an icon will open it. But there's a new there's new ways now with a little bit of pressure that allows you to uh, to find uh, shortcuts to uh, be able to do things without actually entering the app. Uh, it even allows you, in the case of messages and emails, allows you to what Apple calls peak inside that message or that email. So you're not, in fact, opening that email or message. You are just peeking inside. And to do that, you apply a little bit of pressure. That e- that message then opens up. You can t- take a look at the contents. If you want to continue to read that email in full screen, you simply continue pressing, and then that will pop into the message. So these new terms, peak and pop, are what you're going to achieve with this new Force Touch, this 3D Touch display. So uh, this applies across all of Apple's native apps, of course. So if you press the Maps icon, for example, you'll see shortcuts to uh, you know, directions home or directions to your next appointment. It's pretty contextual. So it knows if you've got an upcoming appointment with a cal- with an address in your calendar, it will give you the option from the home screen to navigate to that address. Same thing goes for messages. It shows you the last three people you corresponded with. Same thing for calls. Uh, in, in the case of the calendar, you can create an event. Uh, so all these various shortcuts that are going are available right there from the home screen. Now, some third-party developers, too, are also getting in on the act. And, and, and by third-party apps, I'm talking so not just any old apps. We're talking Twitter. We're talking Instagram. Instagram, in particular, has really done well to integrate 3D touch into the operation. So not only when you say you're in Instagram and you see all these other people that have liked a photo, for example, all you need to do, press on one of those names and it will pop up a little window to show you their last six images. Uh, if you want to continue to look at their profile, just continue to press and, and you'll go, you'll pop into their profile. But really great way to peek into those other things without actually having to open up that and go that step further. Uh, and by doing that means you don't have to come back out those two steps again to where you were. You never lose your place. What I found with 3D Touch 2 was the fact that it did make me uh, make for myself the phone a lot easier to use with one hand, especially the bigger 6S Plus. I found that I could do more with with 3D Touch, thanks to these shortcuts, just with one hand. Really, really cool. And as there will be more and more third-party apps developed to take advantage of 3D Touch, there are other uses for 3D Touch. Uh, we'll discuss live photos a little bit later. That's one use for it. But overall, I think this is a real game-changer in terms of the way that you'll be able to use your device. It does change it quite a bit, and I'm fully expecting there to be imitators. I think Huawei have already got a forced touch screen on their device we spoke about some weeks ago. So there are already competitors out there to take use of this technology. 
Moving right along, the camera really has been improved on the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus. They've gone from an 8 megapixel to a 12 megapixel resolution. That's 50% more pixels. That's quite a bit, a quite a big jump. Uh, but Apple has always had a good cameras on the iPhones. This has made it even better. What's made it even better is not just the jump in resolution, it's the improvement in the sensor. So having more resolution doesn't mean you're automatically going to get a better photo. That's not the case. Apple knows that. They've added this new sensor that can really handle the signal very well, can really put all the pixels in the right place. It's been re-engineered so that the pixels land where they're supposed to. Now, uh, if, if that if that a sensor isn't working properly, you're going to get what they call crosstalk, which means that pixels are landing in the wrong place and the colors are going to look a bit muddy. There's going to be a bit of noise in, in the picture as well. Uh, and that, that's, that's just a result of, a, of a, a sensor that's not doing its job. In this case, Apple has really gone to town on this new sensor, reduced that noise, made sure all the smooth areas and edges are all defined so you get really good clarity and really nice color. And uh, the, the result is an excellent picture. The, the camera could also uh, take 4K video. So for those who've got a 4K TV and wondering where all the content is, well, hello, you can now create your own 4K content with your iPhone. Uh, there's also on the 6S Plus, excellent optical image stabilization. So if you are running alongside somebody, running downstairs, this this feature really smooths all that out and makes it look really cool. You can even use that stabilization in time-lapse videos. Uh, so it is you can have moving time-lapse videos. Traditionally, you leave a, your device in one place to capture time-lapse, but now a great example I saw was uh, a time-lapse of someone who's who'd mounted their car on their windscreen uh, with the camera obviously pointing to the road. Uh, it gave a nice time-lapsed view of their journey. Uh, and because of that optical image stabilization, it took the bumps out. It looked really smooth uh, and really cool. So better camera on the iPhone. And now part of the camera is producing what they call live photos. Now, this was demonstrated at the launch of the new iPhone. And what this means is that one and a half seconds before you hit the shutter and one and a half seconds after you hit the shutter, the iPhone takes a few bursts of photographs. So it, when you look at it later, you use it by you look at the picture by using 3D touch. So you press on the photo and it will give you what looks like a movie. So you're not only just capturing the frame, you're kind of capturing the whole moment. One one downside I found with this when I first started using it is that when I take a photo, once the shutter goes, I put the camera down. I put the phone down. Now, what I was finding when I was doing my live photos is that after I'd taken the photograph, the second half of my live photo was me bringing the phone back down to my waist. So all, all I'd get was a shot of the phone dropping down and, and looking at the floor for one and a half seconds. So I did, I did have to remember that once if I'm doing a live photo, I've got to hang in there for another second and a half, two seconds to capture the rest of that little moment. So uh, that does take a little bit of getting used to. Another downside of live photos, though, I should mention is the fact that because you are using you're kind of taking a burst of photos the it does take up twice the space of a regular photo now live photo is on by default but it can be turned off so you can use it for special occasions uh, but you if you are storing a lot of live photos how you have to remember that it is going to take up twice the space of a regular photo so something to keep in mind especially if you've got limited space uh, on your device and there there are we do have 16 64 128 gigabyte choices so uh, something to keep in mind 
On the performance side, as we expected, new A9 processor with 64-bit processing. So you're getting computer-like performance right in your hands that also drives amazing graphics performance too. So you can play some pretty impressive games on this new device. Everything seems a bit faster on the on the on the new iPhones, including Touch ID, and that's the fingerprint reader. So the second you touch that home button, you are bang through to your home screen. You hardly ever get a chance to even appreciate your wallpaper because you're through so quickly to that home screen. Uh, on the connectivity side, you've got 4G LTE, 23 LTE band. So anywhere you go around in the world, you're going to have a solid connection, whether it's 4G or 3G. On the Wi-Fi side, of course, it's got eight. 11 AC uh, so that you're going to get a faster connection especially with those MIMO routers we mentioned in the in the Netgear advertisement earlier multiple in multiple out it is compatible with those sort of routers so that you find that your device will work even faster on the network on the battery side this is probably the number one complaint of anyone with a smartphone not just an iPhone customer battery really doesn't do it doesn't last as long as they like well, Apple have a new feature, and this is more a feature of iOS 9, which is the software that comes preloaded on the iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, and something that anyone who owns an iPhone, back to the iPhone 4S even, you can install iOS 9, and this feature comes with it. It's called low battery mode. Low battery mode means that if you are running low on battery, you want to conserve for a few hours or even a few days if you've got enough power, you simply flick on low battery mode, and it will turn off all the background so no background app updates. It'll turn off some of your location services. It will even turn off your automatic email retrieval. So those things that happen in the background impact your battery. So if you want to save it, battery low battery mode can do that for you, and you can extend your battery life for hours, sometimes days, if you turn it on early enough, if you've got plenty of charge. Now, things we didn't like about the iPhone, well, one of them is the price. Now, unfortunately, and this is in no fault of Apple's, it's it's our economy, our dollar has really sunk in the last 12 months. Compared to when the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus were released, the dollar has tanked. It is really low, and that's the reason why the new iPhones are more expensive. You won't find an iPhone cheaper than $1,000. So the iPhone 6S 16 gig, I think, is 1079 bucks. So you can't pay less than 1000 bucks for an iPhone 6S. Something to keep in mind. Not Again, not Apple's fault. They're responding to the market. Our dollar has dropped. Uh, hopefully, the dollar may pick up and may get cheaper, but I wouldn't hold your breath. So you need to take that into account if you're looking to buy outright or on a plan. Uh, but look, overall, I think uh, the Apple have really improved on an already excellent product. The iPhone 6S and 6S Plus, they've, uh, as I've said in the story, improved on excellence. If you want to read my full review and check out how many stars they got, you can read that at techguide.com.au. All right, a couple more reviews to zip through, or a couple of announcements, I should say. One of them is the new uh, Nexus smartphones from Google. Google have released or unveiled the 5X and the 6P. Now, Google often associate with other companies to build their products. In the case of the 5X, it was built by LG. Uh, 6P, that was done in partnership with Huawei. And both of them are the first devices to feature Apple's, uh, I should say, Android's latest operating system, 6.0, otherwise known as Marshmallow. 
So uh, that's a first for these devices. They also have a new USB-C connector. Now, we we know from the MacBook, that was one of the first devices that the USB-C connector was was uh, used for, uh, or, or that contains the USB connector, USB-C connector. The advantage of that is, apart from building all this uniformity across multiple platforms and devices, these, the connector is reversible. How many times have you Android users Go on to connect your micro USB charger and realize it's upside down. You've got to work out what way is the right way up, and it's a real pain. Well, now with the USB-C plug, that is not an issue. So USB-C all round. Both devices have a 12.3 megapixel camera. They can also shoot 4K video. There's also a 5 megapixel selfie camera. And they both also have new Nexus imprint fingerprint readers on the rear panels so that you can get fast access to your content. Content security very important. Now let's look at the individual products. The 6P, that's the larger device, 5.7 inch quad HD AMOLED screen, has a 518 ppi pixels per inch, which is amazingly sharp. So uh, under the hood's got a quad core Qualcomm Snapdragon processor, real computer like performance, and it's made of aluminium grade. Uh, sorry, aeronautical grade aluminium. So it looks really nice, feels really nice in the hand. Also got a nice big battery, a 3450 milliamp hour battery that's going to run all day and night. The 5X has a 5.2 high definition screen. That's got a 423 PPI. Uh, it also has uh, the the Nexus the Nexus imprint fingerprint reader on the back panel. Uh, it's powered by a hexacore Qualcomm processor. And it's available with 2 gig of RAM, and it comes in 16 or 32 gig capacities. We couldn't see any micro SD card slots on these products. Google obviously wants you to use cloud storage, including Google Drive. Uh, Both will be available in three colors. In the case of the 6P, black, white, and silver. In the case of the 5X, carbon, quartz, and ice, which I think are other names for black, white, and green. So uh, if you're looking at that, Australian availability will be announced shortly. But if you want to check them out, you want to uh, see what they look like and check out those specs once again, you can check it out, techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenney. Tech Guide. Now, talking about Mac computers, you guys have an all-new operating system, and the best news is it's free, the OS X operating system El Capitan. Now, a lot of people wonder, why the hell is it called El Capitan? Well, Apple has a new naming convention for their OS X operating systems. We've had... Uh, in the past, they're named after Californian landmarks. The first was Mavericks, which is a famous beach. The second was Yosemite, which is a famous national park. El Capitan is actually a peak inside Yosemite, uh, hence the reason it got its name. So it's like an update of Yosemite. Uh, it's called El Capitan. That's why it's called that. But is it any good? Well, it is free. You can install it on your Mac, on your iMac, your MacBook Pro, your MacBook, uh, any any Mac. So it supports Macs all the way back to models that were even introduced back in 2007. So uh, if you do have an older Mac, uh, the good news is it can probably still run El Capitan A-OK. Now, the new main features. Now, apart from some cosmetic changes, there's been some design changes. There's a new font they use. Uh, It is uh, sort of looking more like iOS than ever before. 
but the whole idea here is to speed up the process, to speed up everything you do every day, give you all that access to you know, opening files and doing all those everyday things a little bit quicker. And uh, the whole idea of that too is making it more efficient. So in the case of a MacBook, for example, you may find that your battery may perform a little better, may last a little bit longer. So uh, one of the features is split view. So if you're someone who's uh, doing a bit of multitasking, you can split the screen in half. And so rather than having windows everywhere, you can just snap these two uh, windows side by side. So there may be an app, uh, an email you're working on and a document that you're working off. Uh, really easy way to do that. Mission control. Now, this is when your desktop gets too cluttered. You can actually drag uh, a window to the top of the screen and create its own little space. And you can then swipe through the various screens that you're working on. Uh, in mail, uh, sorting out your mails has become a little bit easier. There's new gesture control. So if you've got a trackpad, you can swipe to uh, to delete just like you can on iOS. Spotlight, that's the way to search for various files and things on your, on your Mac. That's also been improved, but you can now search not just for for files, you can also ask, uh, you can get Spotlight to find documents you worked on at certain times. Like you might say, find me the documents I worked on yesterday. It'll find them for you. So it's become a little bit more intelligent. In Safari, that's also had a bit of an upgrade. Now, instead of having lots of tabs open in the browser, you can actually pin them to the left-hand side. So they become these smaller tabs that sit on the left, sort of declutter the whole browser uh, all the way across so you can push them all the way to the left declutters the look of the browser in the notes you could also do more so uh, you remember in ios 9 on your phone now uh, that, that allows you to create lists and draw pictures and sketches well now you can do the very same thing on el capitan and because of icloud you can save uh, all your notes to icloud and access them through any other apple device as well uh, I've put some instructions on how to install El Capitan on my story on Tech Guide. I suggest you take a look at it. Best first thing you need to do, back up your system. In the unlikely event something goes wrong, you want that little backup to help you. If you want to read about those features and some instructions on how to do it, you can find that at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is also sponsored by Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. Now, if, you, if you're part of a family, you need to ask yourself, and if you're a parent, you need to ask yourself this question. Do you know what your kids are up to on the internet? A recent survey by Norton shows that almost three quarters of Australian parents are in the dark when it comes to knowing what their children get up to online. Are you one of these parents? Helping your kids grow up in this digital age of social media, online stranger danger, sexting and cyberbullying adds a new dimension to parenting. And Norton wants to help give you the tools you need to open up the conversation with your kids about online safety. Norton Family is a free online service that lets you keep tabs on where your kids go, what they do and what they see online to help them develop good online habits. To learn more and to start using Norton Family for free, visit norton.com forward slash au forward slash protecting kids. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk.
Okay, the tech guy helped us very quickly. We're going to talk about a uh, David sent us an email. David Hunt, he sent us an email asking about the Surface Pro 3, really looking to uh, buy that as an alternative to his PC uh, for his accounting business and personal use. But he says they don't come in 3G models, and he's right. Uh, there are there are rumours that the new version of the Surface Pro, maybe the Surface Pro 4, will have a 4G alternative. Uh, but in the meantime, though, uh, one bit of advice I can offer, David, is the fact that you can actually tether uh, a, a Wi-Fi hotspot or your smartphone if you do need to get online. That's what I do with my Microsoft Surface 3. I use my phone as a dongle, uh, so I can get on the internet whenever I need. Don't really need to have another another data account. I do have plenty of data on my phone, 12 gig a month, so plenty to go around. So happy to uh, to uh, use that as my hotspot. That's uh, that's just my word of advice. But if you do want to hang out for the Surface Pro 4, you may get the 4G that you're after. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that is our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, we love receiving your emails at info at techguide.com.au. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. been great having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.